Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Casting the Net. Today is all about finding God in ordinary experience. And Father Dave and Rick have a great conversation in discussing this topic. They talk about how nothing is beyond God's reach. They go into some conversation about teenagers and Christianity, how creation is now. And they even talk a lot about Thomas Aquinas' justification for the existence of God, which I found very interesting. So we hope you enjoy today's episode of Casting the Net, and we will see you again next week. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Really, every one of these, every one of these sound checks, you sound better than me. Well, I have to put more effort into it. I think, <laughs> and I, I know I do. So, this is one of our outtakes, people. This is Father Dave and Rick, and <laughs> we're just we're doing some New Year bantering. That's right, <laughs> and uh, just trying to um, launch into all that God has in store for. We're casting the net. And do you think? Do you remember how to do this? Cast the net. Well, that I mean, just record a podcast. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the word "remember" implies that we ever knew how to do it in the first place, which is probably up for debate. But well, well we have a friend who makes us look better than we really are when it, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to the actual uploading. Mm-hmm. And uh, Father Dave and Rick, and we're, we're really friends. We're really glad that you're with us as we are continuing to share in conversation about the really about the uh, meaningfulness of faith in in ordinary living mm-hmm. while there are extraordinary moments of encounter uh great theophanies um like in the christmas season the theophany of e- e- the feast of the epiphany when the divinity of the lord is is revealed in in spectacular fashion and seen by albeit a very few <laughs> but nevertheless they 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 recognize that and honor him for most of us as we enter into 2024 for most of us we're um we're back to the ordinary. Yeah. We're 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 in all sorts of routines. Some routines, while comfortable, uh, maybe can become a little uh, monotonous and um, beige mm. <laughs> in its in its I, color, not not like, vibrant I like, technicolor. I like beige. <laughs> it's kind, of, kind of kind of a soothing color. <laughs> what you like right now is blue and silver because your team is looking. Oh good. Yeah, yeah, your team's looking good. And I don't 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 jinx it. <laughs> Don't. coming from a Packers fan there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you're doing well? Your soul's okay? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to uh, a new year, finishing off the, uh, the the Christmas season right, and um, excited to see what God has in store for us. Yeah. You know, time and again, Rick, right? How do we not lose momentum from certain grand encounters with Christ? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that I... I I encounter the Lord is through family and love of family and while I didn't wasn't able to see my siblings directly I was able to have some time with my mom I wish it was more mm. it, it it's just so it, it's just marvelous it just mm-hmm. it is and it's unplugging for me and it's a it's an experience of great love uh not only of mom but through her family um, including really generations and my father who's been in heaven for 10 years. Mm. And and I don't want to lose that momentum, right? Yeah. I don't want it to be yeah. washed away uh, tomorrow morning when the maybe the ordinary is is kind of back at it. Yeah. And how do we 
how do we continue to um, recognize God in that in that daily uh, routine and the in the daily responsibilities in the in the ebb and the flow that is normal life? You know, for all of us, we have this normal life pattern, mm-hmm. but not living from mountaintop to mountaintop, <laughs> but rather God, where are you? Let me find you in whatever that is. Yeah. Thoughts well, about that? Yeah. In in some ways, now is a, a really fitting or appropriate time to, to do a series on finding God in the ordinary, because Christmas in some ways is, is the great feast of the ordinary, God mm-hmm. entering in, into ordinary life, family life. I mean, it's, yeah. it's no surprise you, you say that, um, you know, you, you spoke so beautifully about family time. I mean, God enters into into family life yeah. in, in, in the form of a human being and experiences right. the things we experience. And um, yeah, so that's, that's always the trick as a Christian, um, trying to find God's presence in the daily routine. Um, and yet we, we, we can be confident that it's there. We know course, it's there. Of course. Well, you just meant, let's build on what you just said, right? Because mm. we're saying something. We're assuming that that can be possible. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What is it that's underneath those assumptions that we would make that claim? Yeah. Um, two really, really important Christian doctrines make that claim possible. One is the the doctrine of creation mm. and all that's implied in that and all that that means. Mm. And the other is the doctrine of the incarnation, which we you know, just sort of touched on, but we'll, we'll certainly flesh out a bit more later. Um, both of those doctrinal points make possible the claim that God is present always and everywhere, and we can encounter him. You know, as, as the psalmist says, right, in, in Psalm 139, mm. you know, where can I go from you, your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? If I if I uh, go up to heaven, you're there. And if I make my <laughs> dwelling in Sheol, you're there as well. Yeah. Right? There's no there's no escaping. There's no escaping the reach, the reach of the divine. Gosh, in, in my in my most challenging moments, the temptation is to forget that or to think right. that somehow I'm beyond God's reach. This yeah. This situation is just beyond his interest, his care, his concern, his affection, yeah. his power. Well, I think it's it's sort of the default setting in in the culture we live in, sort of this deistic view of God. And we, we've mentioned that word deism a couple of times. It might be worth saying, you know, defining it a bit. Yeah. Um, you, know, you might recall we, we, we mentioned uh, we, we did a series on Christian Smith, the, uh, right. the sociologist from Notre Dame. Right. Before he got into, um, you know, examining... Christian parenting, he was really into and interested in the question: What do what do religious teenagers in America believe? Um, and one of the things he found it's very interesting. It was very helpful for me as a, as a teacher in the classroom. One of the things he found is that most religious teenagers who who think and, and claim to be Christian are actually are actually something closer to what we call deism, mm. which is an alternative to Christianity that arose in the the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries. And deism uh, asserts that there is a God. Like we, we can we can show that belief in God is reasonable, so we're going to hang on to that. But all this stuff about God being intimately involved in creation and miracles and like providentially guiding the universe, we can't we can't prove that by reason. You know, so say you know the deists. Sure. So we're going to say that um, you know God gets things going in the very beginning. And then he kind of steps back and lets the world run on its own. Hmm. Winds it up. Yeah. Like is a, disinterested in it. Yeah. Removes himself from it. 
Yeah, kind of like the, the cosmic uh, clockmaker or watchmaker, <laughs> you know. Um, and occasionally he may intervene, but but by and large he just he he just sort of stands by and lets things take care of themselves. Mm. Like that's what most Christian Smith found. That's what most teenagers believe, and of course they get that that view of God from you know grown up sources. I, right. I think I think it's probably not a stretch to say that a lot of um, you know, 21st century American adult believers actually hold to something closer to deism than traditional Christianity. Yeah, yeah. And so it is a battle. It is a battle to retain the idea that, no, I mean, God, he's not out there. He He's more interior to me and to you yeah. and to everything encounter than, than we are ourselves. Yes. Boy, that just, just reminding me of that, Rick, just uh, it grows my hope. <laughs> it fuels my hope. Um. I was thinking how popular culture itself plays right into the deistic um, uh, belief. Things like um, the force, oh, uh, yeah. cosmic energy, right? where there is a power. It's not the denial of some yeah. power, yeah. but um, remarkably impersonal. Right, right. <laughs> a high voltage uh, charge, but not. Love, not love, itself. no, not not knowledge, beauty, um, yeah, and those Truth. are those are the ways that um, that God creates and and sustains things in creation. I, we we gotta we gotta get away from this this conception of creation as something that happened way back when. Yeah, um, creation is now. Yes, like God is knowing and loving things into existence right now, and if he mm-hmm. if he wasn't everything would cease to exist. Like that's, yeah. that's how intimately involved in the world right now and every second yeah. of, it, of its existence. Um, he is the poet. Was it, was it Hopkins who talks about all of creation yeah. charged? Yeah. Charged. I, yeah. I believe it's present tense with the grandeur of grandeur God, of God yeah. right? That there's yeah. never a moment when creation isn't, isn't charged yeah. with God's grandeur, with his beauty, with his splendor, with his, um, <clears throat> with his commitment to, towards those whom he has created in his own image mm-hmm. to provide us with all we need. Like there's never that moment. So you're right. It's not a looking back to, oh my gosh, if I was only uh, alive in those, those um, that, that in the early days of creation and mm-hmm. as if I somehow um, would have had a privileged time. This is privileged time right now it's because right now. God yeah. consecrates it as such. Yeah. Thomas Aquinas has some really helpful insights uh to me, they're helpful anyway on this very question. It's like most people, if if they know who Aquinas is, they probably know that he's he's famous for his five proofs mm. for the existence of yeah. God, the five ways. Um, they're not really his. He, he he compiled them and he added some things and subtracted some things. But basically, he took some some popular arguments for the existence of God and, and summarized them for mm. um, students. He was writing a handbook for the students of theology. Um. But Aquinas didn't actually didn't think it was possible using just reason to show that the universe had a beginning. He believed that because the Bible says it did. Mm. He didn't think it was possible to show um, that the universe had like a temporal starting point. Mm. Um, and yet he believed that there had to be a God holding things in existence because I'm right here right now. I, I'm existing but that's not my nature to exist. And how do I know that? Because there was a time when I didn't exist and there will be a time again when I don't exist. Mm. Same for you, same for, mm. same for everything. Mm. Like there's nothing in this universe whose nature is to exist. Except for 
God. God. There has to be something whose nature is to exist, donating or gifting uh, generously being to everything that we encounter. Otherwise, nothing would exist at all. Yeah. Nothing would exist at all. So Aquinas takes on faith that you know God did get things going in the beginning, um, but he believes firmly, we could show just, just by using reason, we could be confident that if there was no God, um, nothing at all would exist right now. Mm. Like not way back, you know, millions yes. of years ago, but right now nothing would exist. Yes. Um, so it's very interesting. It's very, like I said, it's very helpful for me to um, to get a clear picture of just how intimately involved God is with with everything I encounter. Yeah, which makes everything I encounter an opportunity for a theophany, you know, an epiphany, an aha moment um, that that strikes me and moves me and uh, and animates me, motivates yeah. me. Yeah, that's a very different conception than many hold, where I have to go to church or I have to go to some place that's designated as sacred mm. or holy or I have to make some extreme uh, effort to uh, demonstrate my worthiness for God to possibly choose to present himself. Yeah. No, the, the Christian proclamation is the, the only moment that is guaranteed, which is the present moment, being infused with the presence and power of, of Christ, uh, a salvific power, mm-hmm. right, that his that that gives that moment, this moment, right now, hope, gives this moment love, gives this moment faith. Mm-hmm. And we can meet him right there. And that isn't to say that the the holy places or worship, what we call worship, is is somehow tangential. I'm right. not suggesting that at all. Yeah. But I am saying those aren't exclusive events. That's right. right? Yeah. For encountering the living God. For sure. There are there are privileged places and, and privileged ways to encounter God, mass, you know, sacraments, um, deliberate prayer, like those, they're, they're, so it's kind of like there's a hierarchy. You yes. Know? Like th- those hold pride of place. Um, and we are also not saying that, uh, you know, because God is intimately involved with everything that makes everything God. I mean, we, we're not, we would never say this desk that we're yeah. at right now is God. <laughs> we would not say that you're God, that I'm yes. God. Um, some religion, religious traditions make that claim, yeah. um, but Catholicism, Catholicism rejects it as utterly unbiblical. Yes. Um, nevertheless, God is present in everything um, to degrees, and again, that makes everything a potential encounter with, with the divine. So share a little bit where we're going to be heading. Share a little bit more about this. Well, ultimately, we're, we're, we're going to move from creation to a more focused we were just talking about privileged encounters with, you know, hier- hierarchical, hier- hierarchically arranged uh, ways of encountering God. We're going to get to um, the incarnation, you know, the celebration of what we just, uh, sorry, the the remembrance of which we just celebrated not too yes. long ago. Yes. Um, and then ultimately, finally, we want to we want to consider sort of practical ways to access and to. Um, to become more aware and uh, more sensitive to these encounters with God and what yeah. what they what they can do for our lives. You know, whatever we do in the new year, some of us have some real zeal to do something different. Mm. A resolution that is made, uh, though they're usually um, short lasting because <laughs> yeah. they're they, they they don't they're resolutions that really are not anchored in um, growing in faith, hope, and love, and, right? Right. If we, if we 
commit, if we resolve to be able to grow in our love of God and love of neighbor, God is going to cooperate with us That's right. to help us make that happen. Yeah. So while it's noble to pray more, and I'm not suggesting we shouldn't set that as a as a stretch goal, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the act of praying more in and of itself, it isn't the end. The end is God. That's right. Right? Yeah. And prayer is conversation with God. And there are times when we want to have that conversation be focused and exclusive, like we would right now with the two of us. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything else on my mind but you sitting sitting across from me. At the same time, we want that conversation with God to be happening at all times, Yeah, to be able to see it in a playful moment with the kids, mm-hmm. to be able to see a challenging moment as an opportunity to grow in a virtue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if I'm praying for patience, then I ought to expect— God, to love me enough to provide me with opportunities Mm -hmm. to practice that virtue. Or if I'm praying for faith, well, I ought to be able to anticipate some some trials of faith that will require me to be able to entrust myself even more to the living God. That is an act of love. He'll, He'll give me that. It's not a tyrannical testing. It it's it's a loving gift that is done because the giver, capital G, <laughs> knows what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're, and we're fortunate that we're a part of a tradition that's 2,000 years old and has been marked with many, many holy men and women who have really helpful insights into how to go about doing this. And right. I, I think we'll, we'll tap into that as the series goes along. That's but, beautiful. And not only insights into how to do it, but demonstration of having done it. Right. right. So it's not just a concept. Uh, the saints themselves are the... The living theologians, they're the mm-hmm. ones who the church herself um, authenticates. They're trustworthy. They're reliable. They're varied. <laughs> and some some are more interesting to us than others mm. just by their very personality, like friendships. Yeah. Uh, they're just some people to whom we gravitate. While there are many other fine, virtuous people, there are some that we really um, connect with on deeply personal levels, right? Mm-hmm. doesn't make the others somehow um, insignificant or no. bad. It's just different. We're all different. We, we've, Same we, with the we've saints. Been, we've been assigned to different paths in life. Yeah. Um, so as much as I love John of the Cross, <laughs> you know, there's not much, I don't think, not much in his life that uh, would really be terribly applicable to mine. <laughs> you know? I'll still read him and I'll, and I'll still, uh, still you know, pray to him and and. Uh, admire his his life and his work, yeah. but uh, you know, practically speaking, I don't know how much I can can draw from his experiences to uh, to apply to my own life. But. Yeah, in a more recent times, um, really beginning with John Paul Pope Saint Pope Saint John Paul II, uh, there has been a um, a, a marvelous uh, celebration of so many new saints. Mm. Uh, canonization is the formal. Designation and there's so many of them, um, and Married a large number of them, yeah, yeah. are yeah. rooted in ordinary living. Are more contemporary examples of mm-hmm. sanctity, which is love of God and love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. Ordinary living. I mean, especially those we 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 appreciate the uh, the mystics like Saint John of the Cross and others, whose um, whose awareness of uh, of of Christ is astonishing. Mm. We also marvel at those who were embedded in ordinary living, uh, mothers and fathers and boys and girls, 
including some very recent um, young ones who even use technology that might surprise some people. So (laughs) built a website, right? Yeah, that's right. In in Carlo uh, Acutis. Um, mm. That's pretty good, Father. That's the, you're not you're not showing much rust. <laughs> well, I got a ways to go, but we got a God who wants us to get there, That's which right. is with Him, friends. He's Rick. I'm Father Dave. We're cast in the net, and we're delighted that you joined us again for another episode. And continue to please stay tuned with us as we venture into this series of finding God in ordinary experience. God be with you, friends. He's Rick, and I'm Father Dave. A dad and a priest, together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.